You are listening to Talking I.O., a podcast about technology in the real world, where we discuss enterprise technology, how to sell it, and how it best helps your customers. Your hosts are Christian Cloud and Stuart Harmon, and we work for Dell EMC. Follow us on TalkingIO.com or on Twitter at TalkingIO. All right, welcome to Talking I.O. Thank you all for joining another episode. Uh, today, it's Christian Cloud, as always, is with me, Stuart Harmon. And with us, we have Matt Braddock. Uh, Matt, I'll let you take a second to introduce yourself. Sure. So I am a partner SE, so supporting the channel and, and specifically uh, supporting zones. And uh, I, I've had 18 years at EMC um, in roles of uh, enterprise SE, uh, commercial SE, and then as well as supporting the channel. So uh, you know, I've had the opportunity to see storage go from some metrics only in our portfolio to the breadth of the portfolio that we have today. So it's been a pretty exciting time. We had a pretty fun uh, 18 years, and then we continue to move forward. Cool. Back when you used to chisel recordings in stone. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. So we have Matt on us with us today. Today we're going to be talking. Uh, Dell's made some great new announcements around our, our mid-range storage portfolio, uh, particularly our Unity and SC product. For those that don't know, XC is the, the rebranding for our compellent line. Uh, so those have uh, been released this week. We've got some great new programs behind that as well uh, that I think are really exciting and should should get customers really interested in, in committing or recommitting to the Dell EMC portfolio. Uh, it really shows our, our commitment to that mid-range storage line. Um, so that's what we're going to go through today. You know, before we get started, we always like to run into a little bit of news. There's just a few articles I thought that were interesting since our last uh, session. Um, I think the one that's most interesting is because uh, one of the Zones team members, Mike, last this Monday brought it up. HP is backing out of the commodity market for Tier 1 cloud customers, right? So that includes Microsoft, Google, uh, Facebook, so that Tier 1 web cloud scale um, service provider. I think it's interesting because I feel like HPE has taken some, some hits recently on market share I think that really does affect their ability to, to approach supply chain, uh, right? Number of units bought from Intel and Micron and whoever else is out there that they're working with. Matt Christian, do you have any thoughts around how that might impact HPE? You know what, Stuart? I apologize, but I haven't really given that much, like, much consideration until just a second ago. Um, it'll be kind of interesting to see what's going to happen in the future, though. You know, definitely the company's going through a, diff- a lot of, uh, a lot of changes, so. Kind of curious to see like what the you know what the upcoming years are going to look like for them or months for that matter. Yeah, very true. Yeah, the the world is really dynamic in terms of uh, you know the transitioning and, and transforming. So um, I think only time will tell how uh, some of this stuff really moves forward and what really gets traction. Absolutely. Hopefully, um, you know we've got. I think we all have. It's a small community out there, right? We've all got friends at HPE. Uh, they continue to reduce headcount. So you know. It's, you always love to beat the competition, but at the same time, you want uh, the community of, of people we work with to be well off, right? Yeah. But I do find that tier one space interesting. I, I think there are a lot of technology leadership, a lot of what's next generation coming out that's a part of that, that, that environment there that they work in that, I, I don't know, I could see it being even further detrimental to the company. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, sorry, Chris. I'm... No, no, go ahead, man. What's up? Go ahead. What are you about to say? Oh, no. I, um, on that note, while we want other people to do well, I am excited. Uh, IBM had a 21-hour outage last month in its cloud layer. I'm assuming that's in the, the soft layer, soft choice stuff. Sorry, not soft layer. Um, 
but I, I think that goes to continue, right? We keep talking about cloud native architectures and digital and then data protection and how do we back up and, and make sure that we're protected anywhere. That one cloud strategy just is, is clearly not the way to go, right? Amazon had a number of outages over the last few years. They've been solid at least recently. Uh, I think that continues to prove a lot of the conversations we're having around how do you make sure your applications are portable and you actually have control over your data. You know, um, I think this is the beauty of Azure. So it's really going to be cool to see um, how uh, both Seattle companies go uh, compete for market share for in terms of cloud. Like Azure's hybrid cloud principle, I think, is uh, going to become a more attractive option for customers because of the type of things you're talking about. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely really interested in seeing that. And actually, to that point, I was actually listening to uh, another podcast. Um, I don't don't remember what it was. I, you know, uh, just for everyone's listening, I'm in Chicago right now. So on the way out here, I was download a bunch of podcasts, and um, and it was interesting because they had uh, um, pretty much a traditional infrastructure guy kind of battling with more of your uh, DevOps, modern IT type of uh, type of person, and just the the polarizing views on how they see a data center should operate and work and what's important to them was so different um, and extremely interesting conversation. So it'll, it'll, it, again, just like we said with HP um, um, uh, news part, uh, the news portion, it's going to be interesting to see where this is going to land in a couple years. Totally. I think along those lines, right, I just saw a note that the chief digital officers expected to phase out over the next couple of years is that that digital transformation roles expected to be more part of just the traditional CIO or the, the technology part of the business. So I think those, it is the most dynamic part of our business. Uh, I was just watching some of the Dell services vice president talk about delivering digital transformation and how infrastructure and a lot of those things were the least important part of it. It's around service and operations and uh, what is your process and making sure you adapt your process to the new, new business model more than it is making sure that, you go and have best of breed technology or um, the cheapest technology out there, right? So it was just interesting to see where those value streams are from further up in the business than from what we look at as an IT infrastructure group. I had a I had a news bit I like uh, I had a news one that I thought was interesting, Stuart. Yeah. How about KFC yeah. and China using facial recognition? Just terrifies me. Uh, so. Right, they, China just released where they're using facial, facial recognition in the streets, uh, where they can like recognize your face and then send you a ticket if you jaywalk. So I think the idea of them just paying for your, your, your meal isn't the worst thing they're doing out there. So I was actually hoping it would be thumbprint or finger recognition. That way it would reinforce the finger looking good slogan. Just want to throw that out there. <laughs> yes, I had to work that in there. I've been... <laughs> More PC than I was going to say. Um, uh, and then, you know, finally wrapping up, there's, uh, I just think it's interesting, Broadcom, Qualcomm looking to team up to make a deal that actually makes the Dell EMC merger look small. Uh, right? One year ago, we had the largest technology acquisition in history. So, $103 billion uh, acquisition, which I think would be insane. I have no idea what that means to the chip market, but obviously the, the fabrication plants are expensive. There's definitely some economies of scale. Well, I got one more for you. Like, uh, this is a little off off script, quote unquote, for those out there in uh, podcast land. We don't really have a script, but 
the uh, um, we'd started a new um, segment called Gone the Way of the Zoom, um, dedicated to our friend or created by our friend Ron Holland. Um, this one, I was actually reading the register before we uh, started this podcast, and this week's Gone the Way of the Zoom is normal size phones. Sensible, fi- sensible size phones have gone the way of the Zoom. Um, they were talking about the iPhone 3, I believe, or uh, one of the first releases of iPhone was uh, about 3.5 inches, and now you're looking at phones that are in excess of uh, 7 inches and beyond as being normal now. So... This this week's gone way of the Zoom. <laughs> right on. Uh, speaking of the register, I actually I, I saw a comment on our announcements we were making this week, and they actually uh, seem to be supporting that the announcements we've made kind of block off all of the competitive. Uh, they said it now makes all of the comments about keeping the SC and Unity lines together, and that we were going to die off one of the other uh, lines can now be categorized as FUD. I feel like when the register at least calls you out for doing something right, that uh, you can't be too far behind. So, as well, a, I, I think any other a, news out there, Matt? Anything? Go ahead, Christian. I was about to say hashtag We work for Dell. Yeah, that is definitely. <laughs> uh, we'll call that out again. I know it, yeah. it. When we record this thing, right, it pops out with with that is our opening uh, statement. But especially <laughs> today, right, we're only talking Dell EMC. We're we're all three on the same team. Uh, from Dell EMC, so we we have definitely a bias here. Uh, before we drop into our main segment, Christian, Matt, you see anything else out there that's interesting in the world? Well, certainly there's lots of interesting things happening. Um, you know, the, we continue. You know, as time goes on, just the constant change and and positioning, and you know where certain products play and and where things get more software defined and, and how to leverage, you know, some of the you know, like the server technologies relative to software defined and that type of stuff. It's really gaining some momentum. So, you know, that in itself is interesting to see where it goes. But, uh, you know, as people move more towards, the, you know, the digital transformation phase, I think we're going to see more and more interesting things uh, pop up. So, Absolutely. So uh, that kind of brings me to one of my first questions, right? I know we're going to go into some mid-range storage conversation here, but we hear software defined constantly. Nutanix has been a darling for the industry, right? We've got VX Rail, Dell just took number one, uh, Gartner share for the hyperconverged market space. Uh, why are we talking mid-range storage still, right? Isn't the whole world going to software defined or a hyperconverged market? Slowly but surely. So certainly, um, you know, the, the, the mid-range um, platforms still have a place and are still, you know, still dominate the market. So, uh, you know, as, as businesses shift towards, you know, more of that digital transformation, we'll see, you know, uh, the majority or, or more and more workloads move that direction. Uh, but right now, you know, people are still counting their money with the traditional apps and, and running, you know, column row databases. You know, so, so that is still driving a lot of business as they move more towards a digital transformation and, uh, you know, and, and target, you know, new ways of collecting data on customers and, and more personalization and using more of the cloud native tools and apps and, and that type of stuff. You know, so, what I kind of thought um, of Matt, like as you're saying this, just kind of like, so, you, you, I'm not saying that we three do this, but just as an industry, people get oftentimes wrapped up with buzzwords. 
so like so, you know like transformation or um, software defined things like that like um, how would you define um, mid range storage just you know just for those out there listening like you know the way I look at it for the most part is kind of a Swiss Army knife it it solves you know, a handful of challenges, um, you know, and, and tries to, you know, move the business forward. But if you look at where, where that mid-range storage is today, um, it's, it's very simple. Um, operationally, they've made it very easy. And certainly that's the target as part of IT transformation so that your staff and your, and your, uh, you know, your IT group has more time, right, to, to devote to the digital transformation. So, in that mid-range, it's all about simplification. So, you know, all flash is certainly one of those things. And once once you deploy on all flash, you take out all the mystery of performance tuning or when I upgrade, should I what, what tier of storage do I upgrade? And this tremendous amount of time is spent, you know, trying to figure out what to do next as my environment grows. And with technologies like Flash, we take that away. And that's pretty uh, you know, Flash is dominating, and certainly even in the mid-range storage. Um, you know, people like to say it's a little expensive, but at some point, when you factor in the whole TCO and the operational costs and that type of stuff, uh, you really can't afford not to move lots of workloads to all Flash to get out from under the you know, those operational effects, so that you really can move the business forward. You know, you know, in a whole different uh, realm than than you have previously. So a lot of times when people say things like digital transformation, oftentimes um, people are referring to the software-defined solutions um, and or cloud-native type solutions. Can um, uh, mid-range storage be a part of that digital transformation story? In, in terms of kind of those initial phases, yeah, it's nice to leverage what you have. Mm-hmm. But when you look at cloud-native, you know, you're talking a lot about objects and different types of data structures. Mm-hmm. So certainly there are some, you know, abstraction layers that you can, you can kind of toss in there. But at the end of the day, your primary storage or mid-range storage is is going to be block and it's going to be an 8K block. And, you know, it's, it's relatively fixed and rigid. And layering abstraction over the top certainly, you know, enables you to get a little work done, but certainly not move the business forward in terms of a production realm. So we see a lot of customers trying to leverage mid-range storage, you know, with different abstraction layers to kind of move towards digital transformation. But uh, it's kind of an apples and oranges when you when you look at really uh, moving forward in kind of that production environment. Okay. So, and, and so, but I don't think everything is. Ahead, there's, there's still a lot of workloads, right? That that we know are static. We know that my Exchange database is going to be fairly static over time, right? Uh, not everything needs to be highly dynamic and able to be provisioned out by an app dev uh, in, a, you know, in a few seconds or minutes, right? Correct. Yeah. So the majority of workloads going forward are very much targeted at object, but certainly I still got to have email. I still have to have databases that are, you know, rows and columns to really manage, you know. A, a, much of the data that I have today, you know, when you look at cloud native, it's a lot about um, data that is generated or will be generated. And, and that comes in so many different forms. 
then you really need a cloud-native type of infrastructure you know, to be able to absorb that and, and more easily leverage that data. Um, you know, and again, some people, when they kind of kick off those initiatives, they'll use abstraction layers on top of that traditional storage platform, um, you know, leveraging what they have already. But uh, um, as they really move, you know, make the big leap forward to really start managing their business, the, the native cloud environments uh, certainly enable business to move much faster. So that's one thing I know, like when we've done, uh, we've been out on the road and we do these presentations explaining the advantages of software defined. You said something that was kind of key, like one advantage of software defined um, solutions in general is that it abstracts the software from the hardware layer. So from what you're saying, you're still able to t utilize and take advantage of some of those benefits of software defined, even though it's more of a traditional three tier architecture. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if you look at the EMC port or the Dell EMC portfolio, Right, you can. Uh, we have the, the the Unity is actually you can buy in a in a supported you know by by our customer support you know uh, form. You can get Isilon Edge, which is totally software defined. You can get ECS, right, our Elastic Cloud Storage uh, solution in in a software only form. So you could run those on top of you know some of the traditional architectures. Um, but, you know, again, more is kind of as you transition into, um, you know, the real, uh, you know, more at scale, um, you know, great, again, great for development. So that's, those are some of those layers of abstraction and software to find, but uh, there's no substitute for a robust infrastructure behind that software to find uh, to really leverage the, either whether it's scalability or the features and that type of stuff that, uh, that those infrastructures provide. So how hey, Matt, before we get thank, go, ahead. go sir I just want to say before we get too far too far ahead right Christian had asked for a definition mid range storage which I think was great um, what's the difference in mid range and our our high end storage so say Vmax right the the <laughs> EMC high end high performance storage and maybe that and a little bit of differentiation between some of our other platforms like Extreme IO or Isilon so certainly if you look at mid range it's going to typically be uh, dual controller. Now, mid-range certainly has expanded beyond that. If, if you look at Unity, it is a dual controller architecture. If you look at the SC, and certainly one of the, you know, one of the features that differentiates the SC uh, from Unity and, and certainly allows the partners to choose right, what direction to go is features like um, federation. So the SC provides federation, which allows me you know, to some degree to scale out that architecture. But one of the, the differences um, between, say, the mid-range and the high-end is certainly scalability and then, you know, availability as well. So the VMAX um, is, is very much it's uh, you know, the, the flagship product that has, you know, the EMC has developed and continue to develop and leverage you know, the, the code base certainly for, for decades. That has a unparalleled availability, right, with, with some of the, the features as like SRDF for replication. Um, so scalability and availability differentiate largely um, the, the mid-range uh, from the high end. And I will say, you know, as time goes on, uh, the, the, 
that differentiation gets smaller and smaller as technology really kind of evolves and grows. But but I think the scale and, and availability really define distinctly define those two categories. I think there's also some uh, traditionally. I think of if I think Vmax, I think some mainframe attached some. In addition to scalability and availability, there's some some legacy application architectures that they only speak that language, right? Which very few absolutely still do. yes. Yes, so mainframe, cool. uh, certainly the VMAX, you know, supports FICON and, and some of those protocols that uh, you don't associate with so much with mid-range storage. Uh, and then, you know, I see VMAX and Extreme I.O. come up a lot. Uh, you know, I think it says it in the names there. Um, but, but where do you see that crossover? If you're a customer, where would you start really looking at uh, the software-defined Extreme I.O. versus uh, just a really wicked fast all flash VMAX. Right. So, so the, certainly the VMAX has evolved and as time has gone on and really leveraged flash technologies. So as a matter of fact, the VMAX is going forward is an, is a all flash array period. There is no more real investment in development around the hybrid. So, you know, last year at the end of 2016, uh, I believe it was the fourth quarter, over 85% of the VMAXs shipped were all flash arrays. And that was where engineering just said, well, the investment going forward will be around uh, VMAX. And we certainly see that um, in some of the newer technologies uh, beyond your traditional SSD drives. Um, that'll be targeted at uh, that higher end VMAX um, as well uh, when it gets introduced uh, from Dell EMC. Um, and, and so again, VMAX was that flagship product. It was follow-on of Symmetrics, so the tagline kind of went from Symmetrics to VMAX, that it is really um, all around that availability and scalability. Our largest customers, the largest banks, the biggest hospitals and that type of stuff, uh, those type of customers, they uh, have embraced that, that scale-out architecture and those availability features uh, that, that that line provides um, for decades. I was going to ask you. Oh, sorry, man. I was sure. just going to ask you real quick, and and just just for those who may not be as familiar with VMAX, how does it scale? Like, uh, just in, in capacity, throughput. Like, what 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 are the scaling capabilities? So it scales between what we call from one to eight V bricks, and a brick is a essentially a dual, a redundant uh, node within itself. And, um, so. You can start with this as, as little as one uh, V-brick, and so that would give you two controllers, and you can scale up to eight V-bricks, which would give you uh, 16 controllers. Again, all active-active, 16 uh, controllers uh, serving your workload. Um, and then, you know, behind each of those, essentially, controller pairs, uh, we have, you know, some number of disks behind them. Now, it's it's worth noting that they are not... You know, while they are discrete components, um, these V-bricks, it is one system. So there is no, you know, uh, active-passive or there is no kind of client-server type of uh, relationship between these engines. It is truly one one system with one address space. Um, so it's not, a, it's not a big message passing, you know, interconnected set of nodes. It, it truly is one system. And that's one of the, the beauties of the architecture and, and what 
scale linearly as you add those V-bricks. Now, the extreme I.O. architecture is similar in that respect. Now, it was built from the ground up for, you know, very specifically for flash. It had no history of spinning drives. So certainly that allowed different technologies, different algorithms, you know, just a whole different mindset uh, when you start under the assumption of SSD. And some of the some of the real differentiators between that and the VMAX is compression and dedupe to a degree that that it's just in line all the time. It's not in, it wasn't added to the architecture. It was an integral part of the architecture from the earliest design. It, it, it was just inherent in it. There's no way to turn it on or off. Um, and, and it also scales up to, you know, eight, uh, uh, control, eight controller, essentially controller pairs again, but a linear scaling between those, uh, Two and sixteen controllers. Uh, very, very good at uh, creating copies of data because of that deduplication and compression. So um, there's quite a few workloads, whether it's you know that VMware, the classic VMware environment that uh, dedupes very well. Um, it, it certainly stands out in that. But just uh, we did a, have done a lot of data center consolidation uh, with the Extreme IO. It, it was in fact the number one has been the number one selling all flash array in the market. So a lot of large data center consolidation, leveraging the efficiencies of that data reduction with deduplication and compression uh, to really uh, you know, allow the benefits at scale. So again, the VMAX supports, you know, like like Stuart mentioned, the everything from the mainframe back, and certainly a lot of legacy customers over decades around that availability and so kind of a different uh, a different market to some degree in terms of availability and scalability versus that ground up innovation uh, around extreme IO and, and managing copies um, and, and really leveraging kind of a, a different take on on what customers are doing you know different business priorities. So what are what would you say the prime customers are for uh, Dell's mid-range, you know, specifically Unity and VMAX? Who are their pr uh, prime customers? Like is it large or medium, small enterprise? What does that look like? Yeah, thanks for coming. We're about to we're about to do a whole other episode talking about uh, XIO, which we wanted to, but thanks for pulling us back in. Yeah, so you know, if you look at historically where that Symmetrics VMAX. Um, array was deployed, it is in, you know, we like to position it as those customers who count their downtime in dollars, they really should be looking at, you know, that Symmetrix VMAX. Um, if you're looking for the Swiss Army knife, you know, five nines, working on six nines type of environment, right, where, you know, there's some, uh, there's, there's a little bit more risk in terms of, you know, mid-range architectures and being this dual controller and, and those types of things, um, you know, designed as much for I.O. and speeds and feeds and and certainly with an emphasis on availability, but um, not to the degree that a, an array like VMAX is targeted at availability, right? Maybe at the expense of other trade-offs. Um, 
So hospitals and, and uh, finance is where we see VMAX. And many of those customers leverage SRDF, which is the uh, software uh, replication. Um, so, you know, both synchronous and asynchronous. That software in itself has sold a lot of arrays. It's not a simple, uh, you know, remote replication. It literally can take multiple operating environments. So you've got a VMAX, a mainframe, and a open systems array and ensure the, um, you know, replication in sync to a third array so that when you were to come back up, uh, you know, after a disaster, all of your data is in sync. One's not ahead of the other by five seconds, ten seconds, an hour. Um, so very, very different wow, cool. scale replication. Yeah. So uh, it, it's, it's interesting. You know, it, BMAX deals with thousands of objects, whereas a lot of architectures deal with ten or maybe a hundred, you know, something like that. So, so scale is probably the biggest differentiator. So, um, as uh, uh, I, I guess, kind of like the, I'm trying to figure out how to frame this. So, customers like the the, the um, smaller that that window that a customer can be down, typically speaking, a solution can grow and increase in cost. Um, do these type of solutions put that out of the range of your um, like your your mom pop shop, or you know, or would it be something that they could find beneficial, or is this Primarily for customers that just can't be down, like. So, so there's a couple of ways to look at it. So certainly, the VMAX inherently has um, a software architecture. So it's a very different operating environment running inside of the VMAX than you would on, say, a Unity. But you also have the opportunities with architectures like the SC to use things like live volume. So you can federate those arrays. So the SC provides, again, an increase in availability over traditional dual controller storage architectures. You know, so for those applications that you really need, you know, high availability, you can literally run them on two discrete array SC arrays. They're federated, um, as well as replicate or move workloads between the two. And you can really balance and optimize the environment, uh, you know, again, using mid-range SC architectures. So um, that's what they're starting to, architectures are starting to blend, and, and as far as business value, that's where you have very distinct features on Unity versus SC. Um, it, it isn't, and you've got to kind of choose one to go forward with, but the beauty of, of having both of them is that they are distinctly different in terms of a lot of the business value that they provide. So uh, one will typically come out on top in terms of being the most appropriate particular customer than the other. So I was going to say, so the Unity um, supports both um, uh, NAS and um, block level type storage. Am I correct in saying that? Yes. And then SC... So if you look at... Um, go, ahead, go ahead, Matt. I'm sorry. No, yeah, so if you look at some of the differences right, between yep. those two, um, certainly if a customer is running one or the other today or has experience you know, with Dell and and customer support and, and that whole experience, and, and they've had great success, there's, there's absolutely no reason uh, to, to try to introduce a Unity in there. And at the same time, if, if a customer has been running, you know, Heritage EMC storage and had great success, there's really no reason necessarily to uh, to introduce SC into the mix. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, unless there's very, very specific requirements. But once you get down to, you know, well, first of all, understand that the investment in both arrays is significant and moving forward. Uh, there is no one over the other. Um, I spent the last couple of days in a training with some of the go-to-market resources from the um, from Hopkinton, the primary storage division, and their frustration is people want to believe that there that one will quote unquote win over the other, and it's absolutely not true. They're both uh, billion plus dollar businesses a year, and believe me, that's not something that uh, is going to go away. So, but in terms of the and, and I think if you look at just a note on that, I think if you look at the Dell EMC track record for committing to a roadmap, meeting their roadmap commitments, and having a long life behind products that they've committed to, we, we've got an excellent track record there. Uh, you even look at the Ecologic Array, which is, what, a 10-year-old acquisition now? Uh, we, we've given customers a wonderful way to migrate out of that and not even just kill the product line. So I think there's, on top of the words, there's a lot of historical weight uh, that Dell EMC has. Exactly. Yeah, at, at kind of the, this call the 30,000-foot level, you know, Unity provides you integrated NAS and SAN, and it truly is integrated. Um, let's call it unlike the VNX, which was kind of a gateway model. The, the NAS and the SAN are, are very integrated with each other. We also have the ability to tier to the cloud. So I can, on, on the new all-flash arrays, and we actually give you cloud capacity on VirtuStream. But I can tier files. So files that meet a policy such as files that haven't been accessed in six months or one year tier to the cloud. Again, automatically happens. Um, and I can also now tier snapshots. So I can take block data, you know, database snapshots, and actually tier those to the cloud as well. Um, at, a, at a very, very high level, those are two very differentiating technologies. If I go to the, to the SC, I have the ability to tier like no other in terms of uh, the way it tiers and optimizing, you know, writes into the array. And then I also have the ability to federate using, like, live volume and, and, and moving workloads, you know, across multiple arrays, right? Again, enhances availability as well as to a large degree scalability um, in that environment. So, again, very – and that's just the highest level. As you go down, there's a handful more things. But, um, but those are very differentiating and being able to give a customer – you know, respond to an RFP with the most appropriate, uh, you know, array that, that meets, you know, a very, you know, very uh, targeted customer requirements. It, it's great to have that ability. Now, that being said, down the road, there won't always be two, but we're talking years down the road. So, um, yeah, you know, one misconception I have to deal with a lot as well, um, a lot of uh, customers are pretty excited about the Unity product, especially people like you had said earlier that were familiar with VNX, the VNX product line, VNXE. Um, um, and um, what some people um, or customers, I should say, have a conversation with is, well, like, you know, SC sounds great, but it doesn't support um, both NAS and SAN, and it it does. So, like, just to your point, like, depending on your SC product that you select, um, you are able to use what they call the FS8600, which um, is going to be a uh, um, a head unit or gateway that will support both uh, that allow you to support um, NAS functionality. On the SC array, so just you know, so to your point, they're both very capable products, and both um, the, which round out Dell's portfolio. So if a customer chooses to go one way or the other, it can support, uh, you know, can fully support their environments. Yes. Yep. No. Very true. 
But that's why there's, there's just a handful of trade-offs, right, between mm-hmm. the two. Um, you know, but again, there are some good distinct differences which would really drive towards uh, one architecture um, or the other. You know, yeah, absolutely. Things on what was most important to a particular uh, customer. But again, both very simple and easy to manage. Um, you know, in that respect. So again, you have your choice. Um, you know, and then kind of best of breed, no matter which direction you go. You know, to best meet your customers' requirements. Absolutely. Great point. Uh, as we're looking at, so we've got SE and Unity. Uh, part of what we want to accomplish today is to Dell EMC announce some great new programs for our customers to give really give them confidence behind uh, the Dell EMC product line and our commitment to our customers and no hidden fees, no hidden costs, all that good stuff. Uh, so as we get into that, there's some reasons we did that other than just being great people, right? Uh, what's the competitive landscape? So we've got two of the mid-range top right to the top ranked mid-range uh, platforms out there in our SC and in our Unity line. Who else are we up against? Who do we run into in the marketplace out there? Well, certainly, you know, I, within within the mid-range, um, there's just that, you know, the plethora. So so certainly uh, Nimble, um, you know, they, they have more share there with HP um, at this point, or I guess more visibility um, to some degree. Um you know, peer, a lot of people have some innovative programs. There's, you know, Agile and, um, you know, they all have their feature set, their, their kind of go-to-market strategy in terms of, of TCO and support and their feature set and that type of stuff. But I, I, I think, you know, it boils down to, say, NetApp and, and uh, peer and Nimble at the end of the day is, is certainly the dominant uh, competitors out there. This kind of uh, are we seeing just real quick? Are we seeing traditional? I mean, I would also assume that uh, competitors could also be an old HDS array that maybe the customer no longer has a mainframe. They don't need that compatibility. Maybe they uh, we've stepped up in the mid range world high enough to meet all their availability requirements. I'm assuming there's some of some of that competition out there as well, right? Where uh, new workloads that haven't traditionally been on mid range storage are now appropriate for it. Yes, that is true. Um, so you'll see a little bit of shift, especially as as um, a, a lot of a lot of customers their applications have shifted, right? Their workloads have shifted as they move between, let's call it, uh, the, that traditional versus cloud native, right? So there's more emphasis on cloud native. There's less dependency on some of those classic operational systems in terms of investing in high availability. Right? I'm, I'm more, you know, I think. Ten years ago, people were more focused on keeping their SAP and Oracle financials alive, which is very much an internal, um, you know, uh, activity, right? An internal database and how to, you know, managing my business. Today, it's really about um, my, the, my customer-facing apps and true customers that are really driving my revenue, right? It's those applications where there's some emphasis, um, as they are the revenue-generating applications. So I think you see a little bit of... Uh, People shifting the, the kind of that where, where they're spending the money and what is critical and what isn't critical as they move, as they transform, um, you'll see a little shift in, in terms of where they put their dollars. And again, it's, it's you know, availability certainly drives uh, success in real customer-facing apps. A little more expenditure there. So along those lines, we've got our competitors out there, and Pure and Nimble. Uh, they did some 
there's a lot of programs that people put out in the market, right? And, and Dell really doubled down and I think leapfrogged our competition. Uh, we've got a new future proof storage loyalty program. That is the Dell EMC terms. Uh, it looks like it has a few tenants as programmed. If you want to go into those, Matt, and kind of walk us through what are the things and maybe a little bit of background behind them. I think they're, they're just mind blowing what we, we put on the table here. Yes. Yes. So this week we, we've really rolled this out and, um, and, and largely, I mean, it is an extremely uh, competitive to, you know, what the other, let's call it, you know, manufacturers have done to try to, to try to wiggle their way into the market. Um, certainly, we've been in the market for a long time. But you have those, the, the newer platforms and newer vendors um, looking and taking angles, you know, um, to try to wedge into the market. So I think what we've rolled out with our future proof really addresses that and establishes you know, the Dell EMC um, platforms as, uh, as, as competitive or more competitive now because of these programs. So, you know, there's six um, tenants to that, uh, what we call the future proof storage loyalty program. The first one is, you know, the three year uh, satisfaction guarantee. So if for some reason the, 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 the array fails to meet the specs over a three year period, you know, our, our published specs and what, what you see on the web and that type of stuff, you know, on the, on the internet and your, you purchase with a certain expectation. If we don't meet that relative to, to what we've published, um, you know, we will, we will make that right in terms of, you know, Taking the so this cost isn't I got I got mad at my uh, account reps two years into it and I'm not satisfied but we are committing we put publicly available documents out on the internet uh, we guarantee that we're going to meet what we said we would do exactly so three years other other competitors you know maybe thirty days um, they they don't include their hybrid models or you know there's always these exclusions and, and certainly uh, nobody's close to the three years. So, uh, you know, we, we, our target again is to feel, make customers feel, uh, you know, very well, uh, protected and, and live with their storage decision. So I'm going to make a note now, and it's something that we'll probably wrap up with as well. Uh, I, to be included in this program, there's no signatures, there's no signing up. You buy a new Unity or a new SC unit, and you are part of this program. There's no additional fluff out there that you have to go watch out for, right? Correct. Yeah, so so we've made it very cool. You don't have to opt in. You don't have to remember to sign somewhere, right? It's just there. Right. So, so, and that's one of the nice things is there's um, everything is very published and there's no caveats. There's no, you know, um, there's, it's just one of these things that that we have helped um, and really identified as our relationship with the customer needs to be, you know, established with, with trust and, and trust us. It, again, yeah, you're right. So it doesn't take signatures and contracts and jumping through hoops. It's, um, we want our customers to feel comfortable. Um, so with that, you know, with, with the, the second tenant is, is all about storage efficiency. And when you follow our published best practices, um, we will, uh, our, our efficiency guarantee is, is the four to one logical to um, effective capacity. So um, that's something that, that we'll stand behind. And again, it's published in the best practices white paper, you know, in terms of what's in and out. Certainly we, we can't guarantee four to one on, on JPEGs and that type of stuff. But again, it's all uh, uh, 
within that best practices white paper in terms of, of how we determine and, and manage that program. And we will make it up with real capacity um, if for some reason uh, we fail to meet that four to one. Um, never worry data migrations. Right? A lot of customers, and, and certainly we've been guilty in the past at, at what's called Heritage EMC, is sometimes it's not that easy to go from you know, the previous generation platform to a newer platform, but we have actually you know, created the program. We have uh, ensured that we will simplify getting from platform A to platform to the to the platform B, you know, the latest platform. Um, it, it's something that uh, you can see, I think, in what we've done with both the Unity and the SC series in terms of making migrations from one to the other um, very seamless and very simple. Uh, you know, again, and, and customers could do this themselves, although we certainly encourage services. Um, it's not the challenge that it used to be. So, again, when you what purchase... You, well, I was just going to say, what do we mean by never worry? Because a lot of people worry about a lot of things. Where's the, the worry out? I mean, I, I know a lot of the, the major concerns were, uh, you know, always back up your data, because that's always fun when a customer did the <laughs> data migration without a backup. Uh, but then is it that you don't have to worry about downtime? Is that the main worry we're taking out of here? It is, it is mostly downtime. So the ability to easily essentially, you know, point my old LUN to my new LUN or my, my, the data on my old array to my new array and have it, this called say automatically move the data. I mean, there's no substitute for that. We've had customers who literally, it's, you know, historically it's been a project. It's been a project that would take months in terms of moving data off of this array. You know, how much downtime? Is it app by app? Is it, you know, it's, it's a tremendous overhead on the organization. Again, it's one of those operational things where um, there's no business value in it so much as there is just expense in terms of the operational aspect of it. So, you know, we have signed up to ensure that it's very simple to get from you know, the N minus one array, you know, to, to a new array. And so we have tools and processes, um, you know, and I know that certainly the SC has done that very well, online controller upgrades. You know, we've also done uh, support online controller upgrades in the Unity. That was one of the, the new announcements. So we're doing lots of things to ensure that you can upgrade the array or you can move between arrays seamlessly you know, essentially push button style as opposed to the, the three, six month project management um, app by app and that type of stuff. So again, we've had great success with that recently and we, and we will ensure the customers who, you know, uh, purchase, you know, going forward, they don't have to worry about what they're going to do next, right? That next tech refresh. We'll ensure that it's uh, simple and seamless. Wonderful. Very cool. Thank you for the extra there. Sure. So then hardware investment protection. Um, you know, we, you will have the ability to ensure that, that you can trade in um, your existing you know, Dell EMC array or a competitive array for credit towards the next generation, uh, you know, the move you choose to make, whether it's, you know, another Dell EMC storage array or even a hyper-converged solution. So... That is something that, you know, ensure that there is value in there, um, you know, as it ages uh, towards the next solution. Again, sometimes that doesn't happen so much. Um, 
but uh, you know we are interested in certainly retaining customers throughout and, and continuing to add more features and, and, and grow with the customers and have the customers grow with us. And then we also have all-inclusive software. So you know, software packaging and bundling um, has, has often in the past been a challenge. So as part of this uh, future-proof program, um, all of the array-based software is is included in the original array purchase. There is not this nickel and dime. If I want to replicate synchronous versus asynchronous, or I need you know this, I need encryption, or I need you know certain features. Um, it is all bundled uh, in one software package uh, to really simplify both partner and customer um, experience in terms of uh, rolling out an array. So, you know, that's yeah. something that's compelling. Uh, when we when we acquired Compellent, that was there, uh, and we used to just go stomp on it, EMC, quite a bit. It was like, look, we, we didn't hide anything from you. It's all sitting out there. Uh, you're licensed. We don't have to worry about it. Uh, it was a really cool selling point and a, and a great thing for our customers over time. So I'm thrilled that we've moved that into the Unity platform as well. Yes. Plus, you don't need a, a house full of software licensing experts and maintenance renewal people from your customer just to figure out how to keep the, the thing turned on. No, very true. I can tell you that the partners and customers have been very happy with the all-inclusive software offerings. Um, it truly does simplify the entire selling you know, and, and deploying experience. You're not wondering what you're missing and, and, uh, if you want to replicate, you know, down the road, you know that you have that software. It, it really has just, uh, um, made people more at ease, I guess, in terms of what future costs could be if they were looking to de deploy certain features. So, and then the last one so is, so we have, yeah, just one five. We got the last one. <laughs> the built-in virtue stream storage cloud. So right now, because we can tier on a Unity, again, you can tier uh, file data based on a policy uh, that you get to choose, as well as snapshot data. When you purchase a Unity array, we will also provide you one year of capacity. Uh, and it depends, you know, the capacity you purchase is going to be relative to the capacity available that, that, that we provide you on the VirtuStream cloud, which is the Dell EMC cloud. Um, and in and you can leverage that capacity out there in the cloud to, to actually tier two. Um, and again, so you get one year of free capacity, but for a lot of customers who haven't had, who have initiatives, but don't have that cloud, especially in the mid-range, that cloud experience, this provides them that end-to-end. -end. You have a storage array, you can take old data onto the cloud, and we provide that again for, for free for a year. And, uh, and the response has been excellent on that because I, I think there's a lot of people, a lot of IT organizations who say, yeah, well, we need a cloud initiative to report back up uh, that we're leveraging the cloud. And this enables you to do that very simply. So um, it's got, that's got a great, as well as all of those features have gotten a great response relative to uh, the competition. So um, partner feedback has been excellent on, uh, on these program offers, the future proof. That kind of ties back into what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, like, you know, the uh, having everything in the cloud um, from, a, uh, from a public cloud perspective isn't always the uh, best solution for customers. So this sounds like a good idea or a good program. 
Yeah, it, you know, it, it, it is because, I, like, like I said, you know, the, the feedback was a lot of partners, or a lot, I should say a lot of customers are talking about the fact that they need a cloud initiative just internally, right, to, mm-hmm. um, and, and certainly they're not looking at shadow IT. That's not, that doesn't count because they're not managing that. This allows them to truly say we've offloaded you know, terabytes of old data to the cloud. Great classic example, a great, you know, kickoff into uh, that cloud, you know, moving to the cloud, you know, to some degree. Uh, again, but, but preserving that on-prem and that control around real uh, applications and, and operations. Well, and I think it's really cool, too. So a lot of people don't know about Virtustream, right? I, Dell's, I guess EMC's owned Virtustream for a while now. It's really been on a tier one, like you want to host SAP out in the cloud because you're a healthcare org and you need a truly hardened SAP environment. It's almost a managed hosted service. But Virtustream is not a, 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 you know, a startup from Dell. It's a, it's a well-established a well-respected cloud offering. So I think it's a great way also. I mean, it's a great offering for our customers. It's wonderful that it proves Unity's federation into kind of a cloud architecture. Um, but I think it's also a great way for Dell to get out there and really show the capabilities and skill sets that traditionally people didn't lump with Dell or EMC because, uh, right, we provide infrastructure. We didn't provide cloud services. Right. Yeah, it's been a big win. And, and I think the cloud, you know, the, his, the history of Virtustream was it was very targeted, very, very high-end, mission-critical. So they really have that process as they come downstream into, you know, even archiving solutions. They have a real defined uh, process, you know, writing on this, their previous success of huge mission-critical mission SAP environments um, in the cloud. So. So, so, Matt, let me ask you this. Like, this this might be a little bit more challenging um, uh, uh, kind of question, like, but the uh, – so if, if – Let's say AWS, for some, uh, for example, um, or Google Cloud Platform. So when these customers, they go into a customer, and it's very cut and dry in terms of what it is that those two companies do as public cloud providers, what they do. You know, customers are aware where their data is going. It's no longer something that they're currently that they may necessarily manage in the same way that they did prior to and get you know uh, utilizing those type of services. Um, is it a stretch, or is it pretty? Is it difficult to utilize or le- or le- leverage would be a better word leverage Unity in that same fashion? Um, do customers get it when you're saying, well, hey, you know, we can still help you the same way as those companies, but instead we're still going to use traditional tier three architecture as you as you may know it. Um, do, do, uh, I know you say this, you know, people receive it well, but is it is it a hard conversation to have? Well, it, it is challenging, right? And so. The whole, you know, a, a customer who's going through, you know, say the IT transformation, the digital transformation, those are very overused words, right? <laughs> yeah. We look at IT transformation as solidifying your your environment. Let's call it your your. Uh, I, wanna, I don't want to call it an N minus one environment, but but the non digital environment, making that simple, automated, and streamlined, right? So. You look at something like uh, VMware uh, Be Realize, and we can integrate that and, and create a hybrid cloud environment that, from a customer developer, right, let's call it the, the end user customer, right? Uh, if he's a developer, it looks and provides an Amazon-like experience. That's even in the IT transformation phase. Automate providing environments, spinning up VMs. You know, we have a lot of solutions around that. Um, and then when you move into the digital transformation where people kind of think of some of that, 
that, that um, you know, is included in that, right? But the Amazon cloud, let's say, you know, from a developer standpoint, we're trying to spin up environments. That could be the automation part of the IT transformation as well. So, you know, there, there, are, there are lots of solutions. So, so customers can very easily, not easily, they don't want to trivialize it because it's, it's not easy. Um, but we actually provide solutions around the enterprise hybrid cloud or native cloud to provide on-prem, um, you know, environments um, where a user wouldn't know whether they were at Amazon or Google you know, versus in their own data center. Yeah, and, and, and I think everybody's got this thing that if I want to do digital transformation, now I have to go get this scale-out cheap server, web server type architecture. Mm-hmm. It's really all about the automation orchestration layer. And if you get yep. a modern infrastructure, even in a tier three, you can build your digital transformation out uh, and give the automation and the provisioning and all the, the developer access, like you said, like an Amazon in a tier three model. It doesn't all have to be, a, you know, a thousand servers sitting in an environment that are uh, easy to fail over. Right. So you, they, you don't have to change everything just to meet your digital transformation needs. Yeah, it's true. You make a good point. Like I think oftentimes, like when people are, if if you have someone that sit back and tell them to visualize like Facebook's data center or or how does Facebook manage their business, the, one of the first things they they're going to think about is just the actual infrastructure itself and not the software stack or management stack that that behind it. You know what I mean? Most people think, oh, it's just full yep. of a lot of servers that in the nodes are pretty much uh, extremely redundant and so forth. Um, so yeah, that's a good point. And, that's that's something I want to uh, we want to do on the podcast as well is to have a, um, some uh, just for those out there some more management uh, orchestration automation conversations have some of those guests come on. I think we should do a uh, I think we should do a, a cloud native and a tier three architecture. That's a good architecture. I agree. Um, yeah. Hey, so I know Christian's about to be thrown out of his hotel room in Chicago. He's got to go catch a plane. Matt, I appreciate you running over. Uh, I'm going to wrap up here real quick, take last comments. Um, so real quick, just to recap what Matt was talking about and all the points he gave us, right? So Unity and SC, those are the Dell EMC mid-range products. We've come out with a new customer loyalty program called Future Proof. Uh, there's no magic. There's no weird stuff to sign up. You buy a new net, a net new Unity, a net new SC system uh, as of, you know, November 2017, and you are signed up automatically as part of this program. There's six facets to it. It's a three-year satisfaction guarantee. About that, it is a three-year satisfaction guarantee, a four-to-one all-flash storage efficiency guarantee, a never-worry data migration, hardware investment protection, all-inclusive software, and you've got VirtuStream Storage Cloud built into the product offering uh, free for one year. So as we finish that up, um, to get more information on this, you can go to dellemc.com forward slash future dash proof and get all of the, the details behind this program. Uh, for the partners that are listening out there, you can go into Dell Partner Portal and go into tools and resources and sales tools, and there's a lot more data behind that. Um, Matt, as we wrap up here, do you have any final questions or comments or statements? Well, I think that, um, you know, that future proof program certainly positions us very, very well, right? I, I think a lot of uh, competitors make hay over their different programs and that, that type of stuff. And um, with that program, as well as the clear price maintenance pricing, 
where where we guarantee you know and you can do TCOs going forward on on the maintenance. Well, pricing. we don't we don't guarantee a year four skyrocket in your maintenance bill. Exactly, we had that's one of the new <laughs> that that should have been part of the future proof program. Um, <laughs> but 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 truly the, that this combined with the the clear price maintenance pricing, which is you know creates that. Pricing, it's a static pricing in years four, five, six, seven, and, and forward. Those, the combination of that two, those two programs, it, it's really unparalleled, and, and we've seen a lot of success with that, and there's a lot of excitement in the community about that. So, great to see. No, I'm, I'm, that's, that's something we didn't call up, but that year four or five guaranteeing that maintenance price in our all-flash, uh, I think is one of the best things for customers to be able to make a long-term storage investment. Uh, know what their bills are going to be like in year four and five. It really does go into that never worry migration part, right? You don't have to worry about being forced into a migration because of maintenance bills. Uh, if you do migrate, there's a good path to get there. So I think those are wonderful. Um, Christian, you have any follow-up questions or any last statements before we let you get to the airport and get home? Now, speak of airport, where are y'all traveling? Anywhere, anywhere, going anywhere soon? Nowhere. At all until <laughs> December. I got a whole month with no travel. I don't what know what you, to do. Well, I just came back from a meeting where we had the, the partner SEs across the U.S. Uh, you know, meet and went over uh, you know several different things. And, and it is there's a lot of excitement. Um, uh, you know, as we as we move forward, and certainly announcements like this and, uh, you know, help help generate that excitement and that momentum in the in the partner community. So. So I think just for those for those out there, I'll be in Portland in the next two weeks, and other than that, I think I'm staying put through the holidays. So, um, ready to get fired oh, up again, in January. Oh, that's right. Oh, no, you're not. You're going. You're going somewhere awesome. Oh, I'm going. Yeah, that's personal. So I'm going. Uh, yeah, I'm taking it on personal. Not. I mean, I can share it with you. I'm going to Nicaragua, but um, on vacation, not for work. Yeah. Well, we'll see if we have any audience members down there. <laughs> Coming for you at a hostel near you. <laughs> hey, uh, all right, guys, we are wrapped up. We I know we went a little over. Thank you so much for the time, Matt, and joining. We got a couple of more of these. I'd love to do. I'd love to dig further into Vmax uh, Extreme IO. I think is really cool. Um, and then you know some of this three tier architecture and uh, how you make that work for a, a digital transformation. I think is a fun conversation and one that would be beneficial for customers we love to go sell hyperconverged, but uh it's not right everywhere every time there's there's other ways to to skin that yeah matt you rock appreciate your time man yeah well thank you wonderful um so everybody our next uh that wraps today for our next episode it will be in december we're going to take thanksgiving off uh and we will be talking about the new azure stack uh releases for on-premise microsoft cloud uh that we really oh, so that I'm excited to have that, that one. I'm gonna miss that one. I'll be gone. I'll have to find a special a special host, special guest host for the day. Right on. Cool. Thanks everybody. Chuck nice to do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys. This has been another episode of Talking IO with host Christian Cloud and Stuart Harmon. We appreciate you listening. Follow us on talkingio.com or on Twitter at talkingio. 